Welcome to Voices from the Bench, a dental laboratory podcast. Send us an email at info at voicesfromthebench.com or look for us on Facebook at Voices from the Bench. Greetings and welcome to episode 226 of Voices from the Bench. My name is Elvis. And my name is Barbara. And there's a six in this episode. You know how I am about sixes. It's my lucky number. Number six. You know what that means. Yep. It's going to be a good one. (laughs) Yep. That's right. I'm coming to you live from the Nashville Airport Hilton Hotel. I'm actually down here in Nashville getting ready for Ladies of the Mill. Super Super excited. And I am getting ready for vacation, just saying. Yeah, so where does someone in Florida that lives near a beach go to vacation, isn't that? And this is going to sound super crazy, but I go to the beach, and I rented a house on the beach, and I'm going to go back and forth and back and forth and chill and drink a lot and exercise a lot and just relax. So yeah, I'm going up to uh, the Panhandle. It's called St. George Island. It's a whole island of houses, basically. And people just go there to relax. It's not like super touristy. Yeah. A couple restaurants, a couple small little grocery stores. Is it one of those islands that have no cars on it? No, no, no. no so it's not that bad. No. <laughs> yeah. So my kids fish and I do nothing except for exercise and relax. So I'm excited. Help out an Indiana boy here. How different is the beach from the beach that's like close to your house now? Is it like completely different? Is it better? Is it about the same? How does this even work? It's the same. I mean, it's just, there's not (laughs) a lot of people though. So you've got a lot more room. You know, there's not a lot of people out there. There is, but everything's not condensed. So, you know, I I might see like, you know, seven people on the beach versus, you know, thousands of people on the beach. Nice. Nice. It's just a different, slower vibe. So you're going to practice your swim in the ocean for your Lake Michigan swim? No, I'm not going to practice my swim in the ocean. I don't do that. I'm going to practice my swim in the very large pool, though, that's in the subdivision of the house that I rented. And I'm bringing my bike. And of course, I run. So I'll be uh, working out. Have you done the full triathlon distance in a row on your own yet? No. No. Are you going to? No. No? Okay. I wasn't sure. Usually no. when I was training for marathons, you never really ran the full length building up. Same thing. I do all of the distances and I put the, the run and the bike together and I'll do that. But I don't usually add the swim in. But if you can get through it, if you can run for an hour and a half, you can get through an hour and a half long triathlon. As long as I don't drown, I'll make what it. What about if you can get through an hour and a half marathon of TV shows? with that <laughs> well then you're probably not going to make the swim if you're me gee do you think we've lost all of our listeners yet <laughs> probably all right so what's going on let's do this so last week we announced an exciting contest to win a oh, free a sega max uv bundle the responses have been amazing i know i've seen it all over facebook it's been great yeah. lots of people have logged in went to the website and filled out the information. And for those that haven't, the information is very simple. Name, address, email, that kind of thing. But there's a few questions on there that talk about, you know, your printing habits. Are you from a lab? What do you plan on printing? But at the very end, we added a question that says, what's your favorite episode of Voices from the Bench? Oh. I have to say, I am absolutely enjoying reading what people are writing. It is amazing. <laughs> 
the comments. Please keep them coming. It has no influence on you winning the printer or not, but I so enjoy reading what everyone's writing. It's so much fun. I'm going to probably have to release a few of them at some point. <laughs> it's Aww. so fun. But this Sega Max bundle, this seems like $11,000. I know. It's a huge package. I mean, not only do you get the Sega Max printer, which is amazing by itself, you get the resin tray. You get a bottle of the Denta model resin, so you're ready to go right out the gate. You get a cool t-shirt, and you get two hours of one-on-one personal training. Because there's nothing worse than getting a printer and not knowing what to do with it. True. That's a huge benefit, guys. It's huge. It's huge. So it's super easy to enter. You really don't have to do much. All you got to do is head over to voicesfromthebench.com forward slash Asiga. That's is that forward slash or backslash? Well, last time you said backslash, but I think it's forward slash. But I was, I'm was i not the expert, so I just let you roll. Well, apparently I'm not either. So <laughs> it's the usual mark after a web address. I think it's forward slash. I think it is forward slash. It's early, people. Asiga, <laughs> A-S-I-G-A. So voicesfromthebench.com forward slash Asiga. It is forward slash now that I say it. <laughs> Fill out the few questions and hit submit. It's that easy. So if you're looking for your first printer, your next printer, a backup printer, or just a printer to print all your non-dental prints, it's super easy to enter. I know that's a lot of prints. Winner will be picked after August 14th. Everyone has a chance to win. And it's not just for people in the U.S. This is global. Good to know. Absolutely. We've had a lot of people submit from countries I've never even heard of. It's fun. Thank you again, Asiga, for this amazing giveaway. So, Barb, this week we had a great conversation about a full arch digital workflow using photogrammetry. You can actually say that pretty well. I'm impressed. Barely. Barely. (laughs) And actually, Barb, you actually missed this conversation. I know. Yeah, it was sad that you weren't there, but it was probably wise that you weren't there. I think you would have been bored. Oh, I'm offended. I think I'm a little offended. Well, you know, we get into the digital workflow, a lot of full arch, a lot of implant talk. Okay. It's like me when you talk to ceramics. Ceramics. All right, yeah. point taken. Yeah. So Patrick Dewey and Blake Rodney from SIN Dental USA joined me for this amazing conversation. I was nerding out the whole time. I'm so surprised. Yeah. Barb, have you ever heard of SIN Implant? Just did. And the first time I heard it was when these gentlemen mentioned it. But when we connected, I was worried that this was just going to turn into a big implant company sales conversation. But it wasn't. It was a great conversation about doing a full arch restoration completely digital without models. We talk about getting patient records with the iCam and intraoral cameras, using ExoCAD to combine them, interesting ways to record a bite, and just good practices to make the restoration the best using only a digital workflow. I actually had to ask them to talk about the implant at the end because they didn't want to talk about it. They were just talking about good workflow. So join us as we chat with Patrick Dewey and Blake Rodney. Hey, Voices from the Bench listeners, ExoCAD here. We want to tell you about an amazing digital dentistry event coming up. ExoCAD Insights 2022. It's two days, October 3rd and 4th, 
on the beautiful Spanish island of Mallorca. This is a fantastic educational event for all of you in the lab industry. Our speaker lineup is top notch. We have master dental technicians, a digital dentures expert, implant surgeons, lab owners, and more. Plus, our own software experts will run hands-on sessions so you can get to know our latest releases, including DentalCAD 3.1 Rieka, which just came out. Problems with the design? Just bring your STL file and we'll look at it. Visit our large CAD CAM exhibition to see the latest innovations. And of course, we'll have a really fun opening night party. So please head to our event website, exocad.com slash insights 2022. Get tickets before they're gone. That's exocad.com slash insights 2022. Have you unlocked your dental laboratory's potential through 3D printing? Well, with the Astiga, you can. Did you know Astiga has over 500 validated materials on their open material system? And it's growing every day? By harnessing Astiga's proprietary layer monitoring technology with its smart positioning system and its integrated internal radiometer, as a laboratory, you'll be able to produce any indication you desire. It doesn't care if you need models, splints, temporaries, or heck, even permanent crowns. Your investment will be future-proofed with Asiga's rugged engineering, providing you with a fast, accurate, and repeatable machine with a reputation that is time-tested in the dental laboratory industry. If you'd like to learn more about the Asiga's machine or the material offerings, please visit the website at asiga.com. That's A-S-I-G-A dot com. Or contact your favorite dental reseller. And we appreciate your support of the podcast, Asiga. Voices from the Bench. The Interview. We'd like to welcome to the podcast today two gentlemen that come from an implant company I'm not really too familiar with, so I'm kind of excited to learn more about. So the implant company is SIN Dental USA. Joining us today, we have Blake Rodney and Patrick Dewey. How are you, gentlemen? Good, good. Doing fantastic here. This is Patrick. Well, gentlemen, I don't know much about the company, and honestly, I don't know much about you. So let's get the story of where you come from and how you associate with SIN. Do you say SIN or is it S-I-N? It's S-I-N. It's Simplicity Nanotechnology. That's what it stands for. Simplicity Innovation Nanotechnology. Nice. So you don't say SIN, it's (laughs) S-I-N. Yeah, it's kind of funny. It's a Brazilian brand, and we'll go into the backstory here in just sure. a few minutes, but it's a Brazilian brand, and, and what sin means in Portuguese is very different than maybe an American may interpret sin as like, you know, sin with the devil. Yeah. Uh, so it's, uh, it's, it's you can't have without in Portuguese, so it's, it's very different. Interesting. That's fascinating. So Patrick, keep going. How did you get into dentistry? Cool. All right. I'll, I'll kind of go and then we'll pass the torch over to Blake. And let, Absolutely. Yeah, you'll hear from the digital guru himself. So for me, 2000 and, let's see, 2005, 2006, I left the insurance world and got into selling implants at Nobel BioCare. Oh, sure. 
Yeah, I started as a, as a surgical sales rep sitting in on surgeries. And this was during that whole movement. I don't know if you're, if you're familiar with it, but back in 2006, 2007, this is when all the general dentists started to get into implants and the oral surgeons, the periodontists, the whole referral-based practices started to get disrupted. So that's when mm -hmm. implants really started picking up. That's back when, I think it was 2009, actually passed legislation in California that if a clinician did not offer implant as an option opposed to a three-unit bridge, they could potentially be charged with malpractice. So it was a kind of a shifting point in the industry. There was a law about this? Yeah, it, it actually went into legislation in California. In two, I don't remember the exact date, so I know I'm on the record here. But I think it was the later part of 2007, 2008, maybe 2009. But it started in California. There was one specific lorry that was behind it. And then it kind of got adopted across the U.S. But I think after we saw that tipping point effect, there wasn't a lot of pullback from the clinicians. I mean, it's a much better treatment clinically, long-term wise. And on top of it, it's a very productive service to offer within the It's more time. profitable. <laughs> oh, yeah. Why not offer it? Yeah. Yeah. But there definitely was the, let's call it the old school dentist with the shag carpet that just didn't want to change from his ways that was used to just cutting down to adjacent urgent teeth. And instead of placing an implant or referring the practice service out to a surgeon uh -huh. to place the implants, because they could keep the production in-house. Sure. So yeah, that's when I started. So I walked into a very interesting market dynamic, started selling Noble BioCare implants. It was also the same time where the surgeons were really upset at Nobel because all the GPs started to get into implant placement on their own. So I had to manage that dynamic. All that stuff comes full circle you know, down the road, which we'll get into down in the podcast. But I was in the Bay Area for five years. I left the Bay Area, went back to Arizona, where I'm originally from, got into management with Noble BioCare. 2015, okay, I'll kind of shotgun forward. 2015, yep. Full Arch was mainstream. I was there when we first started Clear Choice with Ole Jensen and some of the guys in Denver with Steve Boyd. After all that happened, Full Arch just went through the roof, say 2010, 2011, 2012. I left Nobel BioCare to launch Neodent in the U.S. with David Tony, Petra Rump, and a few others. And we launched Neodent in the U.S. 2015. 2018, I, I moved over to the vice president of marketing for Stroman Group, the parent company. Mm -hmm. And I actually got furloughed in May of 2020 during COVID. They hit the kind of panic button and decided, you know what? This is actually the best thing that's ever happened. I'm going to take a year off, burn my non-compete, play tennis for a year, which I did. And then June 1st, I partnered up with a company, another company in Brazil, because Neodense is also from Brazil. Another company, actually Neodense's number one competitor, which is SIN. So I partnered up with them, launched the implant line in the U.S. And June 1st is when we went live. We also set up partnerships because it's, it's a very confusing setup because there's no other company like this. But what we do, we have multiple brands that we distribute. We've got SIN implant systems. We've got IMSI core milling machines. We've got Takima ovens. We've got Pretty Denta, which I know Min Tran, who you recently had on your podcast, also has mm -hmm. done some work with Pretty Denta. We've got printers from SprintRay. We've got intraoral scanners. We sell the majority of all photogrammetry devices in North America, both the U.S. and Canada. We sell ExoCAD. So we have a whole wheel of products and solutions that we sell, train, and support on. And that's where I'll kind of pivot over. We'll learn a little bit more about Blake here. 
But our ethos, our focus is digital, full mouth rehabilitation, and the most cost effective, but not sacrificing the quality because everything that we touch is the fastest, the, the best. I mean, ExoCAD is one of the best softwares out there for CAD design. IMSI Core is one of the best milling machines. Top lines are Konia, the Kima ovens are, are obviously kind of like the Cadillac of the industry. So we try to focus on the best, but also have a very digital streamlined focus. So that's where Blake comes in. We were lucky to cross paths with Blake. I think Blake, it was back in October of last year where we got yep. introduced to each other. And by far Blake has, let's just say he's helped transform the company. He's one of our, our top employees. He has this whole digital division that he's kind of built and from the ground up. It's growing really fast. So why don't we just pass it to Blake at this moment? Blake, you want to introduce yourself? Hell of an intro, Blake. Yeah. But, uh, thanks, Patrick. <laughs> yeah, uh, my name is Blake Roney. So I actually went to college for 3D mechanical design. I, I never thought I would end up in the dental field. After college, I worked for the city of Denver designing underground water pipe and like pump stations. So I was a lead designer on a $6 million project there doing renovations on like underground pump stations for Denver. Yeah, somehow I, I ended up in, in Arkansas and I saw a really good job offer online doing 3D design in the dental field. And it, it said, you know, milling, 3D printing. And I was like, wow, that that's kind of cool. You know, like uh, I bet I can learn about that. So I spent, you know, three years cutting my teeth there as an in-house tech at a prosthodontist office in Fayetteville, Arkansas. You went straight to a prosthodontist? You didn't even work in like a production lab first? Nope, never. I went straight into doing digital design at a prost office. And yeah, like I, my background's a lot different than a lot of other dental techs. All I do is three design. I've never touched any wax. I don't know how to pour a model. All I can do <laughs> is 3D design. And this prosthodontist took you on totally green and taught you anatomy and occlusion and all that? Yep, definitely. That was the hard part to learn, right? Sure. But, you know, I took some classes and stuff for dental anatomy. But as far as navigating a 3D software, I mean, if, if you're good at one 3D software, it's pretty easy to transition over to another one. So, you know, previously I was using uh, Fusion 360 from AutoCAD, SolidWorks, you know, Blender, and a lot of those same skills transfer over to 3D dental design. You just have to learn the tooth part of it, you know? So in my sure. opinion, it's easier to teach someone who knows 3D design about teeth than it is to take like someone who knows about teeth, teach them about 3D design. Like some people disagree with me there, but in, in my personal anecdotal experience, like it seems easier. Totally get it. Yeah. I'll jump in there real fast, Blake, because Blake, he's kind of a one-off anomaly. There's majority of technicians that, or somebody say, because right now, as everybody knows, there's a huge bottleneck. There's not enough digital CAD designers. So the question is, what's the best individual to bring on? Is it somebody who knows CAD design or knows computers, say a graphics engineer or maybe a high-end gamer, or take a denture tech and teach them the computer portion because they know T setups, they know anatomy. Now, Blake did not have that dental experience. So I have always thought, and I've been saying for years, it's better to take somebody who knows the dental piece and overlay the digital piece. But Blake has kind of flipped that one upside down. So he did not have the dental piece. But Blake, what a, you did a number of trainings on your own, right? So you did that whole, I think it's the PDC program. Yeah, like one thing, not the, you know, I'm not affiliated with these guys at all, but yeah, PTC Dental, that was a pretty cool program. I went through all like their online courses for dental anatomy and stuff. And 
I don't know, it just all made sense to me, right? Like, you know, I went to school for mechanical 3D design and the mouse really mechanical. So how everything moves and fits together just clicked in my brain, right? Mm-hmm. Just, it worked out really well to, just with the, how mechanical our mouths are. So once you learn the basics about anatomy and, you know, all the terms that people use in our industry, it was pretty easy, honestly. The technology side of it just always made sense to me. You know, I'm good at navigating these 3D environments. I'm familiar with all the file types. I was already doing 3D printing and manufacturing. It was just the last missing piece of that puzzle was, yeah, learning about teeth. And this prosthodontist, he was all, or she, I don't know, was all in digital. Sounds like you were doing everything yeah, so uh, at the office I worked at in Arkansas was we had like five prosthodontists. They were very digital focused. Uh-huh. They were an early adopter of the iCam. You know, they had all the Zircons on milling uh, equipment and Face Hunter and all this cool stuff. They would always buy all this cool tech, but they necessarily didn't always have someone to figure <laughs> out how to use it. Right? They just wanted the toys. Yeah, they they buy all <laughs> these toys, but no one figured out how to use them. So. When I got there, they had a, it was a generation one iCam was just sitting in a closet. You know, they, they paid mm. you know, $30,000 for it. Well, I would bust out my projects really quickly. So I'd have time to go play with these other toys, right? And figure out how to use them. So it ended up working out really well for me career wise. So I learned all these tips and tricks about the iCam and figure out how to use it. I became a, like a moderator on the Facebook group and I basically run it now. At the time, we only had less than 100 people in that Facebook group. And now we're over, I think, 1,300 for the iCam 4D study group. Yeah. And so I was always posting free tutorials and free videos on there to help people learn this system that, honestly, at the time had zero support for it, right? And that helped build a name for myself. So a lot of people knew me from that iCam group. And that's where... Gus Khalil, uh, he was the the president of the U, uh, CEO in the U.S. of iCam, introduced me to Patrick Dewey here. Nice. So the iCam, you said there was no support. Was it meant for dental? Was it originally created for our industry? I don't think so. You know, I'm probably not the best person to ask about this, okay. but Horst, who made the iCam over in Switzerland, he's been doing photogrammetry since the 90s. He's been doing like photogrammetry stuff for the U.S. military, all kind of cool things. That's his PhD is in, in photogrammetry. Okay. So he ended up pivoting into the dental world, which worked out really well. But no, I don't, I'm not sure that originally it was exactly, at least that technology obviously wasn't originally designed for this, but it's the perfect tech for our industry to capture these full arch, multi-unit level impressions. Sure. I always find it fascinating, things in our industry that didn't start in our industry. Yeah, it actually, so I'll jump in here, Elvis. It actually yeah. started, photogrammetry is the technology. It's what it's referred to as. Mm-hmm. Uh, photogrammetry is very, very common in uh, like production lines and car designs and airplanes. And that's really where Horsk was really involved in. I mean, he's at the epicenter of all of the long-term research that goes way back to the 80s and 90s. So that's really where the technology came from. They'll scan, for example, they'll scan the outside of a car design. And then they can bring that into the digital space or if they wanted to change a piece, make sure that both the wings on the airplane are exactly symmetrical. They can scan one and then duplicate that same file or invert it. So it's just bringing it's another way to accurately bring things into the digital world. And that technology alone is literally disrupting dentistry as we speak. And it's just flipping it on its head. 
It's yeah. everything's changing. It's the fastest growing thing in dentistry that we see right now, in the implant dentistry, that is. So how did you guys connect? What brought you together? So Blake and I or, or ICAM4D? Blake and you. Yeah, so Gus, so as, as Blake mentioned, the previous president of ICAM4D for North America, Gus Khalil, he and I did a lot of work together because we were a main distributor for ICAM4D and still are. But we were looking for, we're still, we want to build our team to make sure we have a very strong technical support side and technical arm, not just for the support side, but one of the key piece, one of the key things you can learn about Blake is he needs to be advancing himself. I mean, he has an appetite for growth and working out of the box and always wanting to figure out the new thing. And I've learned that over the last couple months, big time. Mm-hmm. But um, so this is this was a perfect fit for us because we need somebody to help integrate this solution into both dental labs and into the dental clinician's office. And it is hyper-focused. So first off, the ICAM4D is basically, it's a photogrammetry device that digitally captures implant positions. Blake can explain this much better than I can. It essentially just provides an XYZ coordinate of each individual multi-unit in the mouth and then also the relationship between them. So it's kind of, we Blake and I always say it, it's kind of stupid simple what it does. It just does one thing and does it really, really well. The cool part is the downstream effects of what you can do when you have that accurate data in 3D space, whether you want to print the restoration, whether you want to make some changes, anything you want to do, you can do digitally. And it's a significantly faster than the analog world. Yeah, exactly. So it eliminates any need for verification jigs, extremely fast to take the scan. I mean, they're like 17, 20 seconds to do a full arch final impression scan with no need for a verification jig. It's a, I think the studies say about a 10 micron discrepancy across the eight implants. So the quality of the data you get from these photogrammetry scanners is more precise than we can even manufacture, right? So like none of our dental mills or 3D printers can even reproduce the quality of the data we get from these photogrammetry systems. I've seen pictures of them being in use, you know, online and stuff. And it always looks like the mouth is full of dominoes. Yeah. (laughs) What is the point of those? Just for reference? Yep. So they're basically the bottom of that domino is making contact with the top of the multi-unit. So we're just recording where the top of that multi-unit is in space and the relationship between all of them. Because, you know, for an extremely passive fit on a full arch restoration, it's it's not about just where that one multi-unit is in three-dimensional space. It's also about the relationship between all of those, right? Mm -hmm. Sure. So that's something that's so cool about these because being an extra oral scanner, obviously that those cameras on there are being able to view all of those dominoes at the same time, right? To capture the information. So people who are using, let's say, traditional scan bodies with a inner oral scanner, you know, your inner oral scanner is, is taking about an inch wide section of scan and then having to stitch all those individual pieces together, right? It's not seeing all the information at one time and recording yep. that relationship between them. So that's why a lot of people say, oh, can you just do this with your inner oral scan and scan bodies? No, you can't. Not to this level of accuracy. If you want to do single units or maybe a two unit bridge, yeah, that's fine to do with traditional scan bodies and your inner oral scanner. But for extremely precise, full arch restorations, you, you have to use some kind of photogrammetry unit. Sure. One of the things that Blake and I kind of joke about, we, it's dawned on us, and I think this is like three weeks ago, 
is we never worry about passivity anymore. It doesn't even come up. It's not a question. It's never an issue. And it's so far from our minds. We just brought it up the other day. We're like, listen, you know, we the last time, and we're talking volume, like within not just our customer base, but the industry, the amount of photogrammetry use that has taken place over the last year and a half, we're talking of probably thousands of arches per month. And none of them, it's never an issue of whether it's passive or not. Do you have to do the Sheffield test? Do you have to do the one screw test? It's never an issue and there's no need to anymore. So it's it's a big paradigm shift when you step back and look at the market as a whole. It, passivity is no longer an issue. Well, it's no doubt that the analog traditional way of getting a full arch impression, you spend a lot of time either re-pouring models or cutting bars. It sounds like that fixes it. But my question is, if the camera is outside of the, the mouth, how do you get the information that's behind the dominoes? Exactly. So a common misconception about the iCam is that it captures any information about what the tissue looks like. We'll take a separate inner oral scan for that tissue information. So all the iCam's doing is just recording information about where those multi-units are and the relationship between them. To get the all the rest of the information as far as the like intaglio surface on your prosthetic, that's what you're you'll still use an inner oral scanner for that. So your trios, your meta, wow. you know, your oral scan. So the iCam is useless by itself. That is hilarious and interesting, yeah. Yeah, oftentimes people think it captures both pieces of information and it doesn't. Yeah, the iCam is useless without yeah, it, the iCam is useless without some type of a inner oral scanner or impression or something to capture that intaglio surface for the prosthetic. So Elvis, is it possible to provide some show notes or like a link to some notes? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we could always okay. have a link on an episode. Sure. Awesome. So we'll make sure to link to this so that way your your listeners can actually see some visual compliments to our conversation here. But the, to Blake's point, you're capturing two pieces of data. One is the multi-unit implant positions. Second is that gingival layer, which affects the intaglio design and how that uh, restoration is going to compress against the soft tissue. And then the third piece, which Blake is definitely experienced in, to say the least, is the design aspect of the actual digital wax up. So with those three pieces, he'll stitch them all together in ExoCAD. And then from that, he'll produce a file that the clinician or the assistants, which we usually just train the assistants to do most of this, or the dental lab can then print out a restoration for the provisional and deliver that on the patient generally within an hour and a half of surgery. So let me ask a technical question. How do you get the ICAM information and the intraoral information together so you don't have any misreads or misfittings? Blake, you want that? Yeah, so you'll use a combination of the it's well the software provided for the lab side on the iCam. It's a free software; any lab can just download it. But the iCam software will allow you to match up the iCam data to the inner oral scans based off of healing caps. So basically, you'll tell the iCam software to move that data to the gingival scans uh, based off where those healing caps are positioned. But it's not a one-for-one one match like you do with traditional scan bodies. So mm-hmm. traditional scan bodies, you'd say match this one to that position, match this one to that position. Yeah, put the little dots, sure. Yep, exactly. But would use the iCam software to match all this up, you're just telling it how to relate those two together. So you don't lose that relationship between those dominoes, basically, 
those all stay the same. You're just telling it how to move that data to the gingival scans. Hmm. And those gingival scans are going to be aligned to the patient's bite. So in three-dimensional space, we're going to have, um, like, let's say it's a double arch case. We'll have upper and lower gingiva scans with healing caps aligned to the same bite as the patient's mouth, the correct VDO and everything. And then we move the ICAM data to that, and then we would design there. So like Patrick's saying, for most of these cases, the designer would have already pre-designed some type of digital wax up before the case. So after the surgery, you just collect that post-op gingival scan, you collect your post-op ICAM data, they adapt their pre-designed wax up to that post-op information, send it to the doctor, the doctor will just 3D print it in their office, you know, and then say an hour and a half later, two hours, they'll be delivering it to the patient. So instead of the doctor having to do some type of chair side conversion, they can go on to see another patient, right? They're passing that time or, you know, to do that conversion over to the lab who does it digitally. They just 3D print it in their office and then deliver it to the patient. And it's being printed with the screw access holes. You can actually screw this thing in. Yeah, exactly. So that's a big difference with photogrammetry. It allows us to do some pretty cool stuff like going direct to multi-unit with no tie bases. So with photogrammetry, at least for the provisionals and the like, the prototypes and the temporaries, there's no need to use a tie base. You can just use, um, like uh, I'm sure you've heard, like we have our PRH30 screw, there's the 19.018, Powerball, Rosen screw, all these options to eliminate the tie base and just 3D print your prosthetic. You don't even have to take the time to seam it in a tie base and just screw it straight in the patient's mouth. Wow. You can mill or print, right? Oh, yeah. There's no issues there. As far as the milling PMMA prototypes, yeah, no problem there. But to be honest, there's no long-term data yet on doing direct-to-multi-unit, like with no tie base, zirconia finals. I'm weary of that. I mean, I've designed a bunch of cases like that. But I mean, ask me in like five years how many of those broke, right? We Mm -hmm. just don't know yet. Yeah, I have no problem using it with PMMA or something temporary. But final? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. No, Elvis, we're with you there. We play very neutral. We play Switzerland when it comes to the finals. It's interesting, though, what we actually see. I mean, I'm... It's not just with clinicians, too, by the way. There's a lot of laboratories that, like, we've got a phenomenal customer that we're huge fans of, Bob Wallace in Louisiana. He's got a few ICAM 4Ds at his lab, and they go out into clinicians' practices and do the scan and capture all the data digitally, send it back to the lab. They do all the production of the restoration, say, deliver next day, first thing in the morning, and they'll go direct to multi-unit. But when you get into that point of zirconia on top of the multi-unit, we're talking, there's there's a lot of cases that are being done without a tie base. The benefit is you don't have that human error of manually cementing a tie base into the restoration. However, what we do see when you go direct to multi-unit is that the titanium actually starts to wear down and you get almost like a, an amalgam stain on the internal aspect of the zirconia. So because the zirconia is so strong these days, it's not that the zirconia is wearing down or breaking down. It's actually the titanium, what we've seen, kind of stain the zirconia. So like Blake said, we play neutral to each his own. We are not going to recommend or steer anyone in a certain direction just because the data is not there. Sure. But you obviously have workflows for both. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. One of the best options, kind of best of both worlds, a little bit more of expensive restoration, but you can do a direct to multi-unit titanium bar with a zirconia overlay. Mm Mm-hmm. 
you know, so then you still have titanium on titanium and the aesthetics of their zirconia. And yeah. you don't have the human error of cementing a, a basically a tie base in manually. But aren't yep. you still cementing the zirconia on the titanium bar? Or is- yes. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yes. You see, you know, we're, we just need the long-term data on this stuff, right? So sure. hopefully in a couple of years, we'll have some more data about this. But yeah, I mean, you can definitely do tie bases. It's no issue switching this out. You're not locked into direct to multi-unit with iCAM. You go in, change a couple lines of code. We can switch it out to any part from any manufacturer, however you want to design it. iCAM's a totally open system. So whatever parts you want to use, no problem. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. It's not just for the SIN dental implant. It is oh, no. everything it, and anything. Yep, exactly. So any ExoCAD library you have, you basically take a couple lines of code and copy them over into your XML files mm-hmm. from your iCAM data. And yeah, so any ExoCAD library you can use with iCAM data. It's no problem. Does anybody use this stuff for just single implant? To get that better, more accurate fit? Well, since it, uh, the iCAM itself is only for multi-unit restorations, oh, so okay. you would never a do a single unit on there. Yeah, so they do have a competitor pick who I believe has some direct-to-implant yeah. options. And iCAM's been saying for a couple of years they're going to come out with a direct-to-implant option, but we'll see. Yeah, interesting. What we usually see is that if it's a single unit or maybe a short-span bridge, that you can get away with your intraoral scanner, as long as it's a decent scanner, like PrimeScan, Trios, Medit, Shining 3D, Itero, as long as it's one of the main ones, you could just do an intraoral scan and keep the accuracy, and it's not an issue. But the challenge is when, say, for example, a full-arch case, especially post-surgery, so post-operative, it's a bloody environment full of saliva and long spans of soft tissue, and they've usually done a lot of bone reduction, so that tissue is kind of like a waterbed and it's moving yeah. all over the place. Yep. Say, for example, let's paint the picture here. Say the assistant is retracting the lower lip out, and another assistant is in there trying to capture the intraoral scan. As they retract that lower lip out, it's pulling and tugging on the tissue, so that tissue is constantly moving, shifting, and changing, and the intraoral scanner cannot stitch a full arch of soft tissue accurately. Mm-hmm. A lot of distortion. So that's where the iCAM 4D comes in. Let's capture the implant positions with photogrammetry. Then we'll capture the soft tissue as best we can with the intraoral scanner. And a lot of times we're in situations where the office actually has to snap an algin into the lower and then scan that chair side with our intraoral scanner. And then say like a designer like Blake will just invert that and then use that as the soft tissue. Oh, because it's the environment doesn't allow for an intraoral. Exactly, or an accurate scan for sure. So you, so you may be able to get it, but when you analyze the data, it's actually distorted by quite some degree. So you're doing this at day of surgery? Yes. Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. That's a hot mess, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, I'm in Chicago today. We did some marches yesterday with Eon Clinics, and hmm. the other team is on the West Coast. So, And it's not just SIN Dental. There's other companies out there that do this. So it's. I'm glad we're talking about it because it is kind of the new thing. And I think as, as the next year unfolds, you're going to see, I mean, we're already starting to see it. You'll see more photogrammetry companies come to the market. You'll see more wider adoption. But best of all, you're going to see more trained, qualified labs that know how to use this data. And that's going to be the big bottleneck. Well, that is the bottleneck right now, but that's going to be the linchpin that really opens this up to where it's more cost effective, 
more easier to use both from the laboratories in and the clinicians on. I do see a lot of labs buy into these systems and then go out to offices to offer that service. Yes. Do you see that more than you see clinicians buying it? No, but we're starting to see a big uptick. So we know a number of labs, I mean, whether Chicago, Dallas, like all the main cities have laboratories now that have adopted the technology or at least have been trained on the ICAM, mm-hmm. at least the software. The doctors can either have their own unit and just digitally send the data in, and then the centralized lab can do the design, send them back the file, they could print it. Or like Burbank, Rowe, Bob Wallace, Van Hook Dental Lab. I mean, there's a number of them. I'm only mentioning a few, but there's quite a few out there that have their own units. And they'll actually go out to the clinician's office, do the scans, capture all the data for them. They may still do a physical analog conversion day of surgery just to give the patient teeth right away. But then they've got the data they can bring back to the lab, spend the time they need to to design an ExoCAD and then mill out a PMMA or print off something, then give that to the patient, say, a couple days later. So if a clinician has this system and sends it to a lab that's not familiar with it, do they have to have ExoCAD? To be able to design, I mean, ExoCAD is the best option. Obviously, yes, you can use three shape and stuff for this. But yeah, I mean, to use this data, I mean, you're going to need some kind of design program. Sure, sure. But I wasn't sure if three shape could handle it because I know how much easier it is to splice things together in ExoCAD. Yeah, you can definitely do this in three shape. Actually, at Lab Day in 2020, three shape gave me an award, like Master of the Craft, because, nice. yeah, because I dramatically improved the workflow for using iCAM data with 3Shape. Okay, so it's doable. Yeah, I mean, and even though I made a bunch of improvements to that workflow, I'm still not using 3Shape to do these designs, right? Like, I'm using ExoCAD. Yeah, so Elvis, let me give you an analogy that actually, I wish I could take claim for this, but it was Gus Khalil who actually told me this. Mm -hmm. And it makes perfect sense. So, uh, have you been to Disneyland before? I have. Okay, so... Picture this. So we're at Disneyland. We get in line. You look around the corner. The line wraps around three times around the ride building, and you're looking at an hour-long wait. Once you get in line to that Disneyland line, you're pretty much stuck. You're committed, right? Mm -hmm. You can't get out of line and get back in. That's the analogy we use to explain the difference with full-arch digital workflows with 3Shape versus ExoCAD. So with 3Shape, it's like a line in Disneyland that once you're in line— You have to go all the way through to the end before you can get that file out. Where with ExoCAD, you can start a project, save it, start a new project, add a mesh to it, save that project, start a new project. You can jump in and out all you want and what you need to do to do it properly. And Blake is an expert at training on those, on on this workflow. So it's the perfect analogy to where you're committed. You have to go all the way through to the end with 3Shape. If you are going to do this workflow in 3Shape, it's just very cumbersome. Yeah. Very, very difficult. I've heard this. Yeah. How much easier it is just to go in and out with ExoCAD. Yeah. No, 3Shape's a phenomenal software, and it's very easy to just go next, 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 develop a single crown or an abutment or a denture. But it's when you have multiple meshes and file types that you have to stitch together and adapt. That's where ExoCAD shines like a rock star. You've sent me some PowerPoint with some pictures and stuff. And I got a question because you're showing a scanning of a patient. And we'll put this up on the episode show notes. 
but you have scan bodies in the middle of the palate. Yes. Yeah, what is up with that? I have never (laughs) seen that before, nor would I want to be any part of that. (laughs) They're actually transmitters, so you can communicate with patients remotely. (laughs) (laughs) What is that? Blake, do you want to go? Yeah, yeah. Those are basically reference points that are going to allow us to tie together the pre- and the post-op data. So we will place those in the palate and the retromolar pads preoperatively, and we'll take an interoral scan of upper and lower. So now we have a pre-op interoral scan, upper, lower, and the bite relationship between the two with those markers in there. So before the patient loses teeth... Yep. Before any surgery, you actually drilled holes? Yep, exactly. So uh, it's a small screw. I mean, it's not invasive at all, right? And then that's a 3D printed sleeve. Uh, uh, So I developed that sleeve file. I think I'm on like version 8 now or something, right? Mm -hmm. Place them with your bone screw kit. I mean, obviously they're numbed up at this point still, right? So then do your upper and lower scans with a bite. And then after that, surgery is just like normal. If you want to do guided or not, like whatever, it's fine. Do all your extractions, your bone reduction, place your implants, place your multi-units, get your ICAM scan. And then when we do our post-op interoral scans, so, you know, at this point, all the teeth are extracted. There's no vertical stop, right? So if you scan that upper and lower gingiva, they're just they're just two scans in 3D space with no relationship between them. Sure, the teeth right? are gone, yeah. Yeah, there's no way to record some kind of vertical stop. But we need to be able to align that data to our pre-op scans, And that's what those hard reference points are. Here people call them TADs or breadcrumbs or bone fixation pins. They go by a lot of different names. But Mm -hmm. then in ExoCAD or, you know, R3Shape, you'll be able to align that post-op gingiva scans that have no bite relationship to your preoperative scans. So now in 3D space, you have your post-op gingival scans in that same bite relationship as your pre-op. So when you do it before surgery and you scan these reference points it actually has the distance between them so when you go to post-surgery that same distance is there yeah so i mean they don't really move right they're screwed into the bone and that's why exactly why we use something like that that is screwed into the bone like a lot of times people ask me like oh why can't you just use the rugae on the palate or something right but i mean it's soft tissue it changes a lot pre and post-op you know, so it's not going to be the same. Uh, so yeah. we need hard reference points to match on. Like a year ago, everybody was just like, let's say, leaving two distal teeth or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so now those same two teeth would be the same pre and post-op. But then you end up doing like a mid-op scan, basically. So after you capture all your data, the doctor has to go back in there and do more extractions. And it just wasn't as accurate of a matching as using these. Yeah, with the teeth, you always get like... And Blake talks about this all the time. If they do just two distal teeth, it does work. But on the soft tissue scan, that only affects the midline, the cant, and the bite. Like we said, we no longer ever worry about passivities. No matter what, even if the intraoral scan is inaccurate, it's not going to affect the passivity because we have the we have the photogrammetry data. But it affects the midline, cant, and bite. So if the post-op scan is kind of distorted then that's what that's going to affect. So you have to have, just to sum this up, so patient has been sat down, they've been numbed up, we put the bone fixation screws in, zero surgery as far as extractions have taken place. So we're using the patient's existing bite, which gives us the VDO that we need. And then we're going to scan that. And just like you said, Elvis, the upper palatal reference points and then the lower retromolar pad reference points, when that patient is occluded together, 
and is in their repeatable bite, and we take that bite scan, we've got the distance between them. So when we extract all the teeth and everything, the patient doesn't have a vertical stop anymore, but postoperatively, Blake will stitch the upper individually to the pre-op scan and then the lower individually to the pre-op scan in the correct bite relationship. Then from there, that's when the designer will just adapt the digital wax up and then stitch all the implant positions together. This is all usually done within the same day, right? It can be done both. Oh, yeah. Right after surgery. Yeah. Usually as a designer, I like to have um, the wax up already done, right? So mm-hmm. from the patients, we'll call it a preliminary or the stage zero, you know, like their very first appointment before surgery, go ahead and capture an inner oral scan. Your designer preoperatively, you know, in that time between their, their stage zero and their stage one, like surgery, they'll digitally extract the teeth and come up with a wax up, show it to the doctor, show it to the patient, get everyone's approval, right? So the teeth yep. design's already done. So then after surgery, the doctor will just put all that data on a Dropbox or something. It, you sh- it should only take, you know, 30 minutes or so for a good designer to adapt their pre-designed wax ups to that post-op data. And then they email it back to the doctor. Doctor prints it out in the office, like on the Sprint Ray printers, about like 35 minutes to print. So do the washing, curing, staining, glazing. So yeah, an hour and a half or so after surgery, you'll be delivering the direct-to-multi-unit 3D printed prosthetic. And this can all be done with guided surgery too, right? It doesn't make any difference if you use guided or not, right? So really all we do is care about how you collect the data pre and post-op. So you can honestly do the surgery really in any way you want, as long as we get the right pre and post-op data. Yeah. doesn't matter how the implants get there, as long as they get there, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So we just need to be able to record that data for wherever they are. But however the doctor wants to place them, that's fine. Does SIN offer guided surgery? So we're not a lab, right? So I end up doing a lot of designs because like, let's say we go to an office and train their whole staff and their doctors on this workflow. Just to control every variable, I'll do that design for them for that day of surgery. But I mean, we're not a lab, but we'll always send doctors to labs that we've vetted and that know this workflow. So it is absolutely important that we have good partnering labs. And that's where I come back to that topic I was previously talking about. Once that linchpin kind of is unleashed and more labs get on board with CAD design and feel comfortable in this digital workspace, that's only going to help both us and the clinician base in the market Yeah, because that's the biggest bottleneck. Blake runs an ExoCAD digital workflow, so it's predominantly training lab techs mm-hmm. how to do this specific workflow in ExoCAD. And we have these headquarter-based trainings in Scottsdale, Arizona, and we're sold out till October. Nice. I mean, yeah, it's we're actually moving buildings. We're at 18,000 square feet in the new building, so we'll be able to expand courses. This is the area that we want to ca- help bring the right labs on. We do not do design as a service. We don't do any laboratory production. We depend on partnering with good labs that can help deliver in that area. And there's not enough of them. No, I honestly get job offers all the time because no, not enough people know this. There's way more doctors. <laughs> I bet that, you do. <laughs> there's way more doctors that want to do this than lab people that know how to do it. So, like any lab people listening that want to learn this, it's it's a really good opportunity to make more money and to learn something new. I mean, it's for once, like us lab people have the upper hand here, right? So, like uh, doctors need us. There's more doctors than there are 
qualified lab people for this right now. So what does the training look like for a lab? You mentioned you're doing it out in Scottsdale. Is it like a week long, a weekend? How does it, how does that run? It's usually three days. It's like for the advanced course. Like, and that's expecting that you at least have some basic knowledge over ExoCAD, right? Uh, It is not for like a total beginner. We offer some other stuff for like total beginners on this. But yeah, you know, in three days at a very intense course, yeah, you can pick up on how to do this, but it's one of those things that just requires repetition. You know, if you, if I teach you how to do this and you don't even work on it for a month, like you're going to forget all of it. So you you need to go home and practice this because there's a lot of steps involved, matching this to that and, you know, modifying this data and saving these files out in a certain order. It's something that takes practice. But once you get it nailed, like really dialed in, you can absolutely do a 30 minutes upper and lower digital conversion. 30 minutes. Absolutely. Yeah. My record was like 17 minutes, but it didn't look good. (laughs) (laughs) It's that balance between time and, you know, how fast, because the patient's obviously waiting in the chair for you to do this, right? Sure. If you want to spend a lot of time, like really sculpting the gingiva and stuff, yes, it might take you longer. But if you want to get something that's cleansable, you know, a good fit, you know, nice looking teeth. Yeah, you should be able to bust that out in 30 minutes. Yeah, well, we want to make sure you do it right. Yep. So it's just that balance, you know, like, but yeah, I mean, if you want to spend tons of time sculpting beautiful gingiva that honestly the patient's never going to appreciate, yeah, you can, but yeah, 30 minutes is like a good goal to set for yourself to, to do a double arch digital conversion. Do you scan a live patient in the courses? No. I mean, we usually just scan with models there, but for the courses, mostly I provide all the data piece by piece, right? So mm-hmm. I would just give you the preliminary data and we do the pre-designed wax up, right? And then we start with, then we bring in the pre-op data and then we bring in the post-op data, right? We just kind of structure it like a real case, you know, how you would get it. We have done cadaver courses where we have scanned on like actual heads and everything for doctors. And then for us. Yeah, I know. Gross. Uh, that, that was not my favorite thing. And then obviously, well, hold on. Yeah, we got to touch on this. So uh, Elvis, here's what happened. I'll paint the picture first day of the cadaver course. This is in Dallas, Texas. We set up everything. Printers are all set up. We had eight laptops with ExoCAD. We had our surgical zones in a whole nother room with all these tables, all of our surgical instruments. And in comes the cadavers. And this very nice lady delivers these cleanly wrapped heads drops them on each table, not drops, sets them on each <laughs> table. And then the clinical team comes in, and what they do is they wrap them in, uh, what was it, Blake, like a... Uh, Some kind of gauze or something? Yeah. It's like, it's an ace bandage. So that way there's no blood or there's there's nothing going on. And then they just make sure that the only oral cavity is the only part that's open. But what happened after they wrapped one of the heads, this is in March of this year. So they wrapped all the heads, and then one of them was wrapped so rounded that it started to roll and it was like a slow motion. Blake's eyes lit up, his hands go up and he almost lost it. It almost rolled onto the ground. And then one of the assistants jumped over and grabbed it first. So I've heard of implants. They do like pig jaws and stuff, but I've never heard human heads. Yeah, it was real human heads. And Blake had to take a, a personal moment outside to gather his thoughts. It was a, yeah, I probably would have quit. I want to stay in the lab. Yeah, <laughs> I'm definitely more of a lab side. How much does a human head cost? I gotta know. Do you guys have any idea? <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't know the exact. I think it's around two thousand dollars. There's a lot of bureaucracy, red tape. Oh, I bet. There's, there's legal parameters you have to stay within. They have to be delivered back to the company within a certain time frame. 
it is very, very strict. It's not easy. It's not inexpensive. There's a lot of red tape there because they're real human heads, right? So yeah. you got to be careful about taking pictures and posting them. There's a lot of stuff. But I will say from a clinician standpoint, it's a, an amazing learning opportunity. Oh, sure. Yeah, they could place zygomas, pterygoids. They can do everything as if it's a live patient. But if they do mess up, perforate the sinus or hit the orbit if they're doing a zygoma, you know, you're not damaging yeah, better them than me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that one, we, you know, then we the doctors placed all the implants. We did the iCam data, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then, yeah, on the lab side, I worked with the technicians to do the designs for these cadaver heads. Hmm. And then, did you actually get as far as printing the temporary and placing? Yeah, it? yeah. So at the end of the day, we got a couple sets of temporaries printed. Funny enough, someone accidentally unplugged their three D printer right at the end. We didn't get a new set of teeth for everyone the cadaver heads, but some of them. <laughs> yeah, that's intense. Yeah. But the courses you're offering to labs, you don't do that. So let's not yeah. scare people away. Yeah, you're right. So that's a different thing. You just asked, asked about the live patient thing. But yeah, so the, most of the lab courses, though, no, there's no cadaver heads involved. Good. It's all done digitally. We'll just scan models and stuff to capture that data. But yeah, so that's just a good way for lab techs to learn this because there's such a need for lab techs to know this digital stuff. I mean, yeah. they you can honestly make way more money doing it, too. I talk to a lot of lab techs, and I'm not as scared to ask them about, you know, hey, how much do you make? What are you doing? And there's definitely a place for these lab techs to learn this digital stuff if they want to. I mean, it's the future. You're right. Those labs I know that have their own iCam that provide that service, they charge for it. Yep. It pays for itself. Yeah. And it's supply and demand, right? There's just not enough people to know it. Yeah. There's something else that we haven't really touched on, but the what Blake trains on and what these labs do when they have the iCam, all of that data as far as the cant, the vertical... Anything, that, any changes they need to make, all the data has been captured in advance. So when they do that preliminary provisional design, any adjustments from that point are within a few clicks. So you don't have to pour up a model mounted on an articulator for these full large cases like in the past. It's very streamlined. So all the work is done up front. It's done very efficiently. And coming up with the final and changing anything down the road is very, very simple so there's so many benefits the more you dive into this, all this, that it's the new way. It's going to be the way going forward. And that's why the training is so key. So if anything, if this if this podcast serves as one thing, it's just a cry for help for the labs to embrace the digital era. We can help them. There's a lot of other supports, other companies out there that can help them. This is the new way for sure. Well, how did people get help? Let's say I'm a lab and I want to get into it. How do they contact you and what do they need to get started? Yeah, so having uh, some basic knowledge, you know, in some kind of design program, ExoCAD or 3Shape, whichever, uh, yeah. definitely it's a good start, right? Most do, yeah. Yeah, perfect. So you're just getting some advanced training and just hands-on time, right? Like I have no problem sending some data to any labs that message me on Instagram or whatever so they can experiment and learn this stuff right on their own. But if they want to take some courses, you know, definitely they can contact us on Instagram or there's other people that do a good job, you know, teaching these too. Sure, but they're not on the podcast so yeah yeah promote yourself <laughs> yeah uh, or check out the iCam facebook groups uh, iCam 4d study group i have post free tutorials on there we need more than that labs that know this stuff and it's we only going to get more complicated as time goes on right like we're already like three shapes doing crown ai design sprint ray offers ai design for for night guards you know like soon we're going to have 
people that need to know AI design for all this stuff that also know all this photogrammetry and data collection. Like people are going to quickly get behind if they don't try to stay up with this technology. Yeah. So next steps, Elvis. So the easiest way to do it, obviously you can message us on Instagram at SAN Dental USA, or you can contact Blake or myself personally, Patrick Dewey. But if you go to SINDentalUSA.com, there is an events page. Okay. There's different education courses on there. Even there's an even an inquiry form. So you say, okay, I'm a lab that has basic CAD knowledge. I just need to be trained on how to align the files, the soft tissue and the implant positions or whatever it is. You can reach out to us and let us know what your needs are. And then we can help direct them because everybody's usually what we find. Everybody's usually at a different level. And we see a lot of these clinicians come into our ExoCAD training courses. And the reality is we tell them before they register, we a clinician to do their own design is not repeatable. You need a qualified lab tech because it's just not worth their time. And it's, it takes time to learn this. It really takes some a serious dedication and time. And we prefer that the lab techs take this on instead of the clinicians. It's not like a CEREC where you do this in between chair time. This yeah, is something yeah. you need a lab tech that's dedicated to it. And that's where we can help out. So whether it's somebody coming into one of our ExoCAD courses at our headquarters, whether it's a remote course, we're actually launching a webinar series that's going to start at the end of July. So we'll have webinar series to help people out. Blake has done an amazing job on putting together. So for our courses, they leave with a jump drive. It's like a, I think it's like an eight gigabyte jump drive that's full of video tutorials multiple cases. He's got a single arch. He's got a double arch. He's got a stage two single arch. I mean, he's got everything organized. So it's very textbook. You actually provide the files that people can bring into their ExoCAD and play around with. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, oh, that's yeah, awesome. No problem. I have no issues even just giving some sample data that people, you know, if they message me on Instagram that they can play with. Right. But if you want training, how to do it, how to actually use it in a most efficient way, then, you know, contact us and we can help. That's great. And I love hearing that you keep that synergy alive and encourage labs to be involved rather than clinicians doing all the work themselves. No, it's you. We need this is the cry for help. We need qualified lab techs to really take this on. And the, once we get to that tipping point where there's significant amount of labs that know this, that we can send people to, that's going to really open up the market. The biggest thing I'd say, Elvis, is that over the past couple of years, the full arch market, whether they're placing all on four or all on six or all on eight or guided or non-guided, the full arch rehabilitation market is rapidly growing. Oh, it's huge. Yeah. It, it is huge. And the bottleneck, again, I know I'm a beating a dead horse here, but the bottleneck is the CAD designers. So the more CAD designers that hit the market and make themselves available, the more the market can expand and grow into this digital world. That's awesome. Well, we are quickly coming up on an hour. We barely even talked about the SIN implant. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that's okay. I mean, it's the goal here is to help your listeners. We have, uh, so the SIN implant, it's very similar to, you know, it, not that it's, it is a copy or anything similar. It is similar to the technology that Neodent has because it is a cone Morse connection. Okay. And the reason that that's, that's, you'll see a lot of implant companies shifting to that cone Morse connection because it allows you to have less crystal bone maintenance. So the bone will always die back to like the first or second thread. That was the acceptable yeah. uh, clinical outcomes. No longer is that the case when you use a cone Morris connection. So whether that's Enclose, Neodent, SIN, 
those are the Astra has one, Strauman has one. Yep, yep. Yeah, that type of a connection clinically is far superior to say, let's call it the traditional internal hex from Zimmer, right? Or mm-hmm. something like that, or implant directs. So you'll see a big shift to the Cone Morris. So that's what SIN has is a Cone Morris connection. We've been consulting a lot with guys that are, uh, if anybody knows Vichy Broman, he's a huge Zygoma KOL in the industry of the U.S. Also with some people like uh, Aparigio, he's a huge Zygoma key opinion leader over in Spain. Dr. Vanderlim is, uh, does a lot of courses in Brazil. So a lot of these guys we've been working with trying to redesign our Zygomatic implant. And we've got the Zygomatic that releases in Q1 of next year. So our company, SIN Dental USA, is hyper-focused on full arch from pterygoid solutions, zygomatic solutions, the traditional implants. That's our focus. But the implant game is almost like a commodity now where that's just the byproduct to get the patient the stability they need to put the teeth on it. So it's really, that's why most of our conversation here today is on the digital workflow because that's what's interesting. That's the big shift. And that's where the attention's at. Yeah. And I appreciate that because, you know, we don't want to just gear everybody towards a single implant with this workflow. It works for everything. But I know as a past lab manager that one day I'm going to get a case in the building that's going to say SIN Dental USA implant. And I'm going to say, what the hey is this? Yes. Welcome to the new one. Because it happened at least. I I used to have a joke. Every three months I'd get an implant I never heard of. Mm -hmm. Yes. So now people know where to go. Yes. Contact (laughs) us. SINDentalUSA.com. We can help you guys out with whatever it is. Anything we could do, whether it's education, training, networking events, we're, we're more than willing to, for sure. So my question is, is what driver does the SIN implant use? Do I have to buy a new one? No, it's your traditional, your 048. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. As a lab, thank you. <laughs> your traditional 048, it's the most common driver on the market. It's easy. The cool part about it is our screws actually have that 048 connection but our drivers the way that the way the internal driver is is that it allows for a deep engagement to the 048 so any 048 will work and when you put your driver in there like we, we have a joke you can actually take the driver put the screw on it and hold it around and hit your hand on the wall and the screw won't come off because there's such a tight taper tips love it yes awesome make it easy for everybody yeah we appreciate that yeah blake patrick thank you so much that was some great stuff i learned a ton yes thank you for having us yeah we could be more appreciative to have you have us on your podcast we're very thankful grateful and anything we could do to help your listeners, we're available and ready. Yeah, I'll put all your contact information, all of our show note links. They'll be up there and everybody will be able to check it out. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you, Thank Elvis. You, Elvis. Thanks. Bye. 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 Whitmix introduces the CureBox Plus, a new curing unit that ensures the proper and full polymerization of 3D printed resins. It really is the ideal curing unit for dental labs and dentists because the CureBox Plus uses light and heat energy with controlled time and temperature to provide an ideal environment suitable for post-curing SLA and DLP type 3D printed models. 
The American-made, competitively priced curing unit is very easy to use and has a large capacity curing chamber for high production. It's super easy to clean and maintain and offers a one-year warranty which covers everything but the inexpensive, long-lasting UV LED lamps. Though the CureVox Plus can cure virtually any printed resin, it has been qualified with the following Whitmix resins. Veriguide OS, Verisplint OS, Denka Denture Base, Denture Teeth, Tryon, and Temporary Crown and Bridge. If you'd like to learn more about this in-demand product, visit Whitmix.com. And as always, we appreciate your support of the podcast, Whitmix. Hi, this message is for the many dentists and dental staff that are listening to Voices from the Bench every week. The fastest growing product that we have at Grow3x are our Grow3x aligners. Grow3x aligners are only available from Grow3x aligner certified labs. Why? Because we believe in the synergies that are being created between you, the dental office, and your lab. And we want to further leverage these synergies. Our aligners are, for instance, used as a pretreatment to larger restorative aesthetic cases. They're used to widen gaps prior to placing implants. They're used to close the diastema, ease crowding, and simply enhance your patient's smiles. Even for your Essex retainer needs, your Growth3x Aligner Certified Lab can help. Look for a Growth3x Aligner Certified Lab near you, such as Castle Dental Lab in San Antonio, Texas. Ask for Blaine. AMK Dental Lab in O'Neill, Nebraska. Ask for Ann. Stax Dental Lab in McCool, Maryland. Ask for Derek. AA Dental Design in Marietta, California. Ask for Frankie. And many, many more. For a complete listing of Grow3x Aligner Certified Labs, go to www.grow3x.com. Thank you, Grow3x, and we appreciate your support of the podcast. So thank you so much, Patrick and Blake. I'm so sorry that I missed the conversation, and even Elvis said I would have been bored, but I don't agree after listening to it. So he was wrong, of course. I wasn't bored, and I actually learned a few things. Thank you very much. So while bringing another implant to an already competitive field, which we all know, the workflow that you guys have designed and are helping labs and offices to perfect it is a huge help to the industry as a whole. So thanks again. We can't wait to see what's up next for SIN Dental USA Company. All right, everybody. That's all we got for you. We will talk to you next week. Enjoy Ladies of the Mill, Elvis. I will. And everybody else that's going to be there. I miss you guys already, but I am enjoying some time down off off the bench. Awesome. Bye. (laughs) I'm out for a week, baby. Wake up, wake up. No, I've been awake for about 40 minutes.